This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. It's an absolute honor to have you here this morning. Um, welcome to City Bible Church. I just want to say welcome to all of our online guests as well. And uh, I just am so thankful to be able to share the word with you today. My name is Daryl. I'm the campus pastor here at the Mill Plain campus of City Bible Church. And, um, and whether you're visiting here for the first time or you've been here for a long time, it's our honor to have you here. And um, it's my honor to get the chance to work with such an amazing group of people here at Mill Plain. How many are thankful for a great church? I know I am. I am. And uh, I have been down at camp the last few days. I came back late last night. And uh, as Pastor Mark said, hundreds and hundreds of young people are there uh, just being impacted. The presence of God is so, so good. And um, so we're just praying for them as they finish up today and tomorrow morning and get ready to come back. Uh, and uh, we're believing God for, uh, I think, a deposit in our church as well as God's touching all of our young people's lives. I want you to take your Bibles this morning and I want you to go to Psalms 122, uh, if you would. Just open them to Psalms 122. We're on a journey uh, is a church, and it's the journey of our soul. We're following uh, the heart of the psalmist, starting in Psalms 120, and uh, we're, we're moving through five of the Psalms of Ascent. And uh, I think it's a, an important series this summer. The, the Psalms of Ascent are 15 Psalms uh, that are in the New Testament, Psalms 120 to 134, and uh, these 15 psalms are written with uh, a Hebrew ascription, Shur Hamal Aloth, which means songs of ascent. And Israelite worshipers have sung these songs for years. Uniquely enough, our worship is uh, modeled to some degree after the psalms of ascent in that we, we sing about the redemption of our soul and the leaving of Egypt and the journey of our life and the ascension into the presence of God. And uh, we follow the songs of ascent and we seek to model this in our everyday of life. And God had commanded the Israelites to celebrate a variety of feasts in Jerusalem and among the city of God. And the people of God would rally together and three particular feasts would uh, be known as Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And as those feasts were celebrated, the Israelite worshipers would sing these songs on the way to Jerusalem and even into Jerusalem called the Songs of Ascent because they'd often come from valley places or low places, and they would ascend into Jerusalem, a city of mountains, a city of hills. And as they would look on the mountains, they'd begin to sing these songs. And uh, the, they, they sing songs of ascent. The word ascent that's used in the Bible, it means to go up. It's the act of rising or moving forward to a higher or more powerful position. And I'll tell you what my prayer has been, City Bible Church, and all of you that are here this morning, my prayer has been that our soul, our spirit, our mind, our life, our church would go up to a higher place. We're not going up physically. We, we're in this building. We're not going to move to another location. We're here. But I think that there's room, there's a journey that we can go on as individuals to go to a higher place, higher perspective, higher level of relationship with the Lord, greater dimension and depths of worship where the presence of God touches our lives. I, I love what we're experiencing here in the church. There's truly miracles and a touch of God happening in people's lives, but I long for more. I long for more. I wanna be in the presence of God. I wanna just sing through a list. I wanna to touch the hem of his garment. I, I wanna be where Jesus is. 
man, I want to go up. And David and the psalmist wrote songs that would carry not only people as they walked, but their sense of expectation and their soul to a higher place, right into the presence of God. And I want to stir you this morning with a sense of expectation. The City Bible Church needs to go up in this season. We need to go up, up to a higher place. And I think like the Israelites coming out of whatever territories they were coming from and whatever cities and through whatever villages and townships and places even where uh, people of, of other nationalities lived and other groups of people lived as they traveled and they dealt with their own struggles. You and I face struggles to go up, but nonetheless, the, the spirit of worship in the church and the heart of the psalmist should help carry us through those trials to a higher place. And that's the heartbeat, really. The big idea of this series is really this. It's to go up with God and to unlock his refreshing promises upon our soul. And I, this morning, could stand to have a little refreshing in my soul. I want to unlock some promises, some things that God has stored up for those who love him. And I love the psalmist who says, how great, O God, is your goodness that you've stored up. I think he's stored it up, so we need to go up to that place and unlock his goodness and allow the promises of God to be poured out in our life. I know it's what I expect when I go to church, when I go to the house of God. And so this morning, I want you to look at Psalms 122, and I want to talk to you about flourishing in God's house, flourishing in God's house. And I want to read this to you. You can follow along with me. It's going to be on the screen. The Bible says this. It says, I was glad when they said to me, and if you're writing in your Bible, you can just circle that word me because the psalmist is saying singular, me. There was an invitation that came from somebody to me, individual. I was glad when they said. So there was some kind of a, a community group. There was some kind of a, uh, a joint effort that brought an invitation, his direction. I was glad when they said unto me, singular, let us go. So an invitation came from them to me so that I would join them in an ascent to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Now, again, a little bit of a picture here. Psalm 120, they were leaving their home territory. And, Psalm, and as they left, they had to deal with the pressures of the world and the struggles of the world. Psalm 121, as they came through the valleys and began to look to the hills of Jerusalem, they started to see the place where their help came from. And they started to lock their eyes on and they recognized that the God of those hills was actually their help. And now the psalmist says, I'm standing within your gate. So this is a psalm where they've now arrived in the city. They've come into Jerusalem. And here he says, my feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, built as a city that's bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David pray for the peace Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. What an amazing psalm. Israelites ascended into the city. They looked at the hills and they saw Mount Moriah, Mount Zion, two of the prominent mountains. And they saw where Abram had 
sacrificed his son or started to sacrifice his son and the angel had interrupted him in the process and they knew that God was a provider as they looked at Moriah and as they looked at Zion, they thought of David and David's tabernacle and the presence of God. He had chosen to dwell in Zion. He'd chosen to dwell in Jerusalem. So as they looked, they said, man, our help doesn't come from my struggles. My help doesn't come from any other high place, any other mountain where any other God would dwell or inhabit our help comes from Jerusalem. Our help comes not from the natural city, it comes from the God who built that city. It comes from the God whose name is inscribed on that city. And we gotta get that right in our hearts and in our minds because there's obviously a tension in our lives and in our culture today on natural uh, Jerusalem, and that's fine. But I'm telling you, these Israelites were looking at the God of Jerusalem, not just the city itself, and we've got to do the same thing. We've gotta look right in our eyes and with our own minds. And so last week, we really dealt with perspective, but eventually, they weren't just looking at the city from a distance, they were within the city walls. And I wanna tell you that there's a, a, a difference between singing about God and experiencing God. There's a difference between singing about God and experiencing God. And likewise, there's a difference between going to church and being the church. There's a difference between singing songs of Zion and being in Zion. There's, there's a difference. And this psalm actually brings the people of God into a place of encounter. Brings the people of God into a place of personal interaction with God, personal experience with God where things in their life begin to be impacted. And if I could lay out any sense of vision or expectation to you today, it would be to move beyond observation Christianity and move into encounter Christianity. It would be to move beyond church attendance into being and becoming the people of God. It would be to move beyond just simply singing songs and experiencing the God of the songs. There's a stirring that I wanna to impart to you today, not just intellectual information, but true Holy Spirit passion for a touch of God in our church and in your life. I wanna stir you to go up this morning. David actually, as he penned this psalm, equated being in Mount Zion within the city walls as being in the house of God itself. He said, if I'm just within Jerusalem, I'm in the place where the name of God abides. And if I'm in the place, I'm gonna encounter the person. If I'm in the place, I'm gonna encounter the person. And this, this comparison is all through the scriptures, but I, I wanna just reference one that you can write down and go read later. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, if you're taking notes. If you're not, I'd encourage you to do that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to 23, references a connection between natural Zion actually starts with Sinai and then natural Zion and then the church in the New Testament. There's a, a connection between all of these. And in Hebrews 12, this is what the Bible says. It says, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm or to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words, those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken because they could not bear what was commanded. And then he says, if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. He's speaking about Sinai and the, the visitation of God upon Moses as Moses was receiving the revelation of God and, and God began to dwell in a place. 
And God began to inhabit a, a natural dwelling place and his glory would dwell there and his people could observe it, but they couldn't touch it. His people could see a priest go into it, but they couldn't experience it themselves. And the author of Hebrews is actually saying, what you're experiencing as New Testament Christians is not like Zion. It's not a place that you say, oh, look, but don't touch. Or if you do touch, you'll be consumed. It's, it's not that way. He says, but you've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. And then he says this, to the church of the firstborn. He's actually telling New Testament worshipers that when you come together as a community of believers, that you're joining a heavenly Jerusalem, a city that can't be seen with your own eyes and there's companies of angels and they're singing and they're declaring and you're joining in with them. What you're participating in when you assemble together is something that is beyond what you see with your natural eye. It's not like Sinai that you can't touch it and it's not even like natural Jerusalem that's just in one place. It's wherever the people of God assemble. It's called the church of the firstborn. And when you come together, his power is present. When you come together, his presence is manifest. When you come together, something supernatural is taking place. And the only thing that you could slightly compare it to is Sinai and Zion. But it's not even like that. It's something so far beyond that. It's something that's supernatural, something that's profound. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go to God's house because in God's house, I'm gonna encounter something. I, uh, I live in a house and I've described my house to you in previous messages and uh, it's a, a small house, it's temporary, it's between homes and so we're just kind of living there for a little while and We've got some of our stuff in storage and some in our house, and we're not really happy with the layout of it, but we live there because it's just right now, that's our house. But when you go there, my wife immediately wanted her personality to come out in that house. There's an experience that you have when you go to our house. We, we, we buy fairly eclectic stuff. Part of our hobby life is garage sailing. And so we, we actually look for uh, uh, great deals on unique pieces of furniture and we assemble them and it's very eclectic and we actually really enjoy it. And uh, my mom looks at it and says, that's interesting, honey. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not her house. It's our house. So she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to like it. We have to feel comfortable in our house. There's a particular way that flows out of who we are that builds our house in that particular way. You go to Mark and Moe's house, it's gonna be this very similar. It's just what comes out of their personality. I had a, an adopted grandma growing up. My parents had moved out from North Carolina to work in the woods here in the state of Washington. And uh, my grandparents lived back in North Carolina and they were older when I was born and I never really got to know them. So we adopted local grandparents in our church. And I remember going to Grandma Flo and Grandpa Don's house. They were not my grand, natural grandparents, but they had a little tiny house and they had the coolest couch because the whole couch rocked. It was awesome. I love to go sit on their couch and rock. It was just like, I know I'm in Grandma Flo's house when I'm rocking on this couch. 
And the entire time I was sitting on their couch rocking, she was in the kitchen making berry pies. I've never seen a woman make more berry pies in my life than Grandma Flo, but I always knew if you go to her house, you're gonna have blackberry pie. That's just the way it goes. She freezes berries, she stores up berries, and there's goodness that's been stored up for those who fear her. And I feared Grandma Flo, I'm telling you. I'd sit on her couch and rock and wait for that berry pie. And I knew that when it was time to go to bed, I'd go to the back bedrooms of the house and they, they would lock off the back bedroom and they, they wouldn't heat it because they were so concerned for spending every dollar that they'd just be very cautious and the back bedrooms were freezing cold and she would just say, just she, all the beds were positioned next to the door so that at night they could remove the blanket from the hallway and they'd let a little heat go down the hallway and, and your head could be near the door and hopefully catch a little heat. That's how they describe. Do you see why I'm so wounded as a young man? <laughs> I, I'd sleep as a I'd sleep with her house, and I remember those sheets being so cold but so comfortable. When you get in, they'd warm up, and you could feel a little heat coming down the hallway. I'd get up the next morning, and I knew that she had made breakfast. I could hear the, the pans. There was something about Grandma Flo's house that I couldn't wait to get to because I knew what to expect. And I knew the encounter that I'd have. I knew the, I'd know the smells, I'd know the feels, and I loved every minute of it, even as awkward and strange as it was. It was a, an experience of my life, and I remember asking my mom and dad, can I stay at Grandma Flo's? Can I stay at Grandma Flo's? And I remember sometimes I'd go on for two, three weeks, and my, my mom would call Don and Flo, can Daryl stay at your house? Yes. I couldn't wait to get to their house. I couldn't wait to get to their house because of what I would experience. I want you to understand this morning that there's some things that happen only as you gather in the house. There's things that happen, there's experiences, there's feelings, there's tasting, there's seeing, there's observances, there's interactions that only happen when you're in Jerusalem, only happen when you're in Zion, they only happen when you're in the house. The psalmist wrote this, by the way, probably even before the natural walls were built in Jerusalem. He prophesied even in his writings of what was yet to come, but they would sing it in hope and sing it in expectation and they couldn't wait to get there physically. I think what God wants to do in our church is, is stir us with a fresh love for the house and to again experience what, what God has in mind in the house. As he starts into this psalm, he says, not only was I, I, I glad, but I was glad for a purpose. Just look at verse one of Psalms 122. It says, I was glad when they said unto me. The word glad that's used there, if I could just start to use verse one and two is kind of a format to describe what they're expecting about the house. I would call it the blueprints of the house. This is what I kind of expected going to Grandma Flo's. This is what they expected. He started out with a sense of gladness. I was glad, which means to brighten up and to rejoice. Man, when mom would say, you're going to Grandma Flo's, I, I just couldn't wait. I was so excited. I was glad when they said unto me, to me, Part of the thing that made me so glad to go to a natural house, I, I'm just gonna, I put it in your notes, the phrase great friends, but if I 
If I think about going to Grandma Flo's house, it was the relational connection almost more than anything that I was glad about. It was a place of community. It was a place where my soul could find refreshing because I was connected to people. And David references that when he uh, received the individual invitation, it was a community invitation. Let us go. We're gonna do this together. And have you ever wondered why that David was so excited about going together as opposed to just going by himself. I, I've thought about it quite a bit and I actually kind of pondered several of the Psalms and I started to look over it and I found another Psalm in Psalm 55 verse 14 that says this. It says, uh, David references being in the house of God and being among the people of God. And he says, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God. David says, I, I was at the house and I enjoyed sweet fellowship. Part of the benefit of, of being in the house, part of the experience is to be among other worshipers and other people who have the same passions, same needs, same desires, same struggles, same journey. We've all come out of darkness into light. We're all on this pathway together. And actually the picture that David lays out when he said, hey, I, I once enjoyed just sweet fellowship with you, walking as we would worship in Jerusalem. David says there's a place of sweet fellowship and we've been down at camp the last few days. The weather gets pretty hot in central Oregon and when I'm out and I'm busy and I'm in field games or I'm riding the go-karts down there, I mean, it's a really rough campground, you know, they, they're riding go-karts and riding the zip line and Olympic-sized pools and on and on. It's, 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 it's not a camp, it's a resort. But anyways, they're... As I'm down there, there's nothing like on a hot day having a, a cold bottle of water. There's something that's refreshing because I get my mouth so dry and I get hot and I think, man, a, a nice cold bottle of water. Another thing that I love is a nice cold bottle of Coke. And I far prefer drinking out of a glass bottle than a plastic bottle. Do I have any takers with me in the room? There's just something about cracking the top of that glass bottle and drinking a Coke, and I know it's not healthy for you, but there's something about on a hot day how enjoyable it is. And when I think about these people moving as pilgrims through the desert, and their soul is becoming parched, their body's becoming dry, and they think about being in Jerusalem and worshiping, the only thing David could liken it to is some kind of a sweet, cold drink on a hot day. When I'm alone, I'm in despair. When I'm, when I'm by myself and overwhelmed by circumstances, this is last week, I had, a, I had a friend that was coming back from a ministry trip in Florida and they texted me and said, I'm, just, I'm, I'm by myself and I'm in the airport and I'm just kind of dry, would you pray for me? And I thought there's some things that only happen when you're together and the great thing about texting today is we can be somewhat together, but when I see an individual and I can hug an individual and I can be with them in a worship experience, David says there's nothing like it on the planet. There's nothing like it. It's sweet. And I, I have to be honest with you. If I think about my own history, I grew up in a little church, uh, kind of a Pentecostal denominational church, and there was nobody my age. And I could, I would not tell you that some of those years were sweet fellowship years. They were actually years that were a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a journey. And I just want to be honest with you today that church in the natural isn't always everything that David writes in this psalm. 
But the journey of the soul wants to lead us into a place where we can receive of the freshness, where, where we long for the refreshing. And over time, God does satisfy. I remember my first Sunday at City Bible Church and the presence of God was so real and I began to make friends. Friends that I have in my life today and sweet fellowship. I would say what David says, that it's like sweet, sweet fellowship in worship. The house of God is a place where I know I'm gonna sit across the table from Grandma Flo and Grandpa Don and I'm gonna have great friends. But not just great friends, I'm gonna actually meet with a greater God. Everybody say greater God. As good as friends and communion is, if that's all it is, let's just go to the Lions Club, let's go down the road to Rotary, let's do something different. We could probably simplify our lives by just making some friends out there in the community in a neighborhood club if there wasn't more to this thing. But the reality is, David said, I, I'm standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, because it's the place where the name of God abides. It's, it's the house of God. I'm not just going to meet other Christians. It's the place where my good, good father is resident. He's in that place. I wish I could tell you that places don't matter, but they do. Places matter. And for all of the talk today that yes, just meet God in your car, meet God in your bedroom, which is all true and it's all accurate. Some things only happen when his people gather, when his people worship together corporately. The Bible says Jesus actually comes and moves among the brethren and he's not ashamed to call you brethren as he talks to God on your behalf. There's some things that happen. The Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people. He comes and he fills the house where we assemble. Some things only happen. Grandma Flo and Grandpa Don have died and I, I can pull out their letters I've got some of Grandpa Don's books on my shelf. I can go read the notes that are in that book, but there's nothing like being with them in church. Now, unfortunately, they've gone on ahead of me and they're, they're no longer present physically, but someday I'll go to their house again. But it won't be in a natural house, it'll be in a spiritual house in heavenly Jerusalem and we'll actually walk on streets of gold and the presence of Jesus will be among us all the time. Praise God for a reuniting of the saints someday in glory, amen? Right now we happen to live in a fallen world. And what we partake of when we come together as the church in God's house, in natural places, and a spiritual experience of great friends and a greater God is we get to taste some of what heaven will be like. People from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, right here in the Mill Plain campus, we have over 14 nations represented in our campus. I think it's pretty amazing. I think heaven's gonna look like that and a whole lot more. People of every age group and singing the song of the Lamb and rejoicing in what God has done and experiencing the person and the work of Jesus, not just in hope, but in reality, it will all have finally come. My good, good father is in the house when we come together to worship him. Deuteronomy 12 says, but you are to seek the place. Everybody say the place. 
You are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes to put his name. According to the book of Hebrews, he's put his name on the church. And you and I come together as the church. His name abides there. His presence abides there. His glory is where his people are. So we should come with a sense of passion and expectation. So it's not only a place where we experience great friends and a greater God, but it's a place of personal experience. This would be the second thing. It's a place of personal experience. So yes, friends and a great God, phenomenal. But you get a personal encounter with other saints, with other strugglers, with other redeemed sinners. And you get to encounter the presence of the living God as an individual. David said, man, I'm so glad that I'm in Jerusalem. The place where the name of God abides. My feet are standing within your gates. He was glad because he arrived. His feet were on the mount. They were fully present. And I think if we allow ourselves to be shaped by the soul of the psalmist and allow our own soul to be shaped, we need to start to have a sense of expectation that when I gather with other believers, God's gonna do something fresh. I wanna ask you, City Bible Church, let's think about church differently from today forward. Let's think with a sense of expectation again. God is taking us up. Everybody say, God is taking us up. Let's go up together. Let's expect when I come to the house of God, I'm gonna bring my needs, my cares, my desires. A couple of weeks ago, there was a lady sitting right up here. During worship, it was at the 11 o'clock service and the Lord spoke to me while we were worshiping that God was gonna heal people's teeth. And I've heard stories throughout the decades of God giving people fillings during worship services and I thought, I hope this just isn't my own my own brain, just because I've read this stuff in history. And I, it just was an overwhelming thought over and over again. No, 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 ask people if they wanna be healed. Ask people if they wanna be healed, their teeth to be healed. I said, all right, and I came up and took the service and transition, I said, who here needs dental work? And several people raised their hand and I just began to pray, God, heal their teeth, heal their teeth. She said she felt the power of God starting to touch her mouth. She came up to me afterwards and she said, Daryl, I don't know what's happened this morning, but I've just been to the dentist this week and he said it, I, I needed an entire new bridge. It was thousands of dollars worth of work up here because my teeth were in such bad shape. She said, I, I don't even have the money. I don't know what to do, but I felt the power of God touch my mouth. I said, awesome. I want you to go back to the doctor. I said, did he do x-rays? She said, yeah, I got all the x-rays, everything. I said, go back to the doctor get x-rays again and come back and tell me. She came back the next week and the doctor said that he couldn't find one cavity in her mouth. Her, her, her entire... A place of personal experience. A place of personal experience. This is... The name of God abides among his church for the sake of his people. Not the name City Bible Church, not the name, any other group or denomination, individuals. 
Why would God give a word of knowledge about teeth in a morning when a woman who doesn't even have the money to pay for her own teeth, why would God even know? Why would he stop to acknowledge? Because he's a good, good father and he cares about you. Some things only happen when we gather, when we begin to exalt the name of the Lord. And David said, my feet are in Jerusalem. I'm so excited with a sense of expectation to be in the city because I not only arrive in the city and see its beauty, but I actually feel the security of that city because its walls are secure and its gates are solid. And I'm going to encounter the God of this city. Far too long, the church has gotten their eyes on natural things. Well, I, I go to City Bible Church and the church is the building on Mill Plain. No, it's not. The church is the people who assemble in the building that an organization owns. And when we assemble, the presence of God is here. His name abides in this place. And what you need as an individual can be met in this place. It's a place of personal encounter. It's also, by the, play, by the way, a place where everyone has a place. This is an interesting thought. It's a place where everyone has a place. Jerusalem is a city that's built and bound firmly together. Its walls are bound firmly together. The people of God would come into Jerusalem and they'd look at the walls, the excellence and the intentionality of walls that would be built without gap, without crack, every stone rightly in its place. Even as Solomon's temple would be built later with all of its beauty and all of its grandeur, they would look and say, this is phenomenal. It, it, it declares the glory of God. God loves his people and everyone has a place. There was a security and a sense of belonging as they came into the city. Even the natural buildings declared everything has its place. I was reading here a little while back in Romans 16 and Paul's writing and commending to the church in Rome all that's been going on. And in Romans chapter 16, he takes 16 verses to name over 25 people that are not named anywhere else in scripture. Phoebe is, but there's, just listen to this. It says, I commend you our sister Phoebe, who's a deacon in the church at Centria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who's worthy of honoring God's people. Help her in whatever she needs. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry. In fact, once they risk their lives for me, I'm thankful for them. Also give greetings to the church that meets in their home. My, my dear friend, and then he starts listing, listen to this, Eponidas. Where, where do you read of Eponidas? Anywhere else in scripture. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Isn't that interesting? Give my greetings to Mary, who's worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and Stychus, and Apelles, a good man from among whom Christ approves. Give my greetings to Aristobulus and Herodian. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. He lists 25 different names and even households. And I, I, I was reading that and I'm thinking, why is he listing so many individuals? I think the reason why is the apostle was declaring under unction of the Holy Spirit that every single person in the church matters. Everybody has a place. Oh, they were the first convert. That, that's amazing. Oh, they took care of me when I was in prison. Oh, they, they prayed for me. 
When I look around the room already, I've been back at City Bible for two years and I look around the room and I think, man, I know their story and their story and their story and every single person, what they bring, what they participate in, what they do is so important because every single person has a place. And as David stood within the walls and he looked at the beautiful city, he said, I'm gonna pin a song about everything has its place. But you know, David also celebrated in the Psalm, Psalm 92, he said, the righteous flourish like a palm tree and they grow like a cedar in Lebanon when they're planted in the house. Everybody say planted in the house. There's a flourishing and a growth and an experience that happens when you're flourishing in the house. And he goes on in this Psalm and he says several things I think that help us to flourish. And to flourish would be to be strong and to be healthy and to grow. And if I could put this sense of expectation on you today, that the blueprints for the house is really a place of great friends and a greater God. It's a place of personal experience. It's a place where you belong. But if you're really gonna flourish and be in the house and experience Jerusalem and participate in all that God is doing, you gotta read the rest of the Psalm. And this is what David says, just four simple things. He starts by just saying, I gotta give thanks when I'm in Jerusalem. I gotta give thanks. He says this, the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. I believe our number one responsibility when we come into the house is to bring a sacrifice of praise and thanks to the Lord who is the God of the house. We're coming to God's house to thank him for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. My mom taught me a lot of stuff, but the one thing I'm grateful that she taught me about was how to say thank you to people. How to say thank you to people. When I went to Grandma Flo's house and she put a piece of blackberry pie, I said, thank you, Grandma Flo. When I come into church, I don't come with a sense of a critical spirit that says that's not going well and that's not going well and God, you didn't do this for me. I gotta put on my thanks. I gotta put on my praise. I gotta put on a garment of praise. I gotta get up and get dressed in the morning and start to think about everything that God has done for me. I gotta get my head screwed on straight and say I'm going up to Jerusalem. I'm going up to Zion. It's not a mountain that can't be touched. Rather, it's a place where my feet will plant and I will be among great friends, and a greater God. And when I'm among that greater God, I'm gonna experience him. I'm gonna encounter him because I have a place in this city. And because I have a place, I'm gonna give thanks. I don't deserve to have a place in the city. I don't deserve to be in his presence. I don't deserve to have a personal encounter with God but he made me worthy. He put his name on me. He called me out and brought me in. There's something that God has done in my life by his mercy and by his grace. And because of that, I've got to be a man of thanks. I wanna call you up, City Bible Church. Call you up. Call you up to, again, put on a garment of praise, a spirit of thanks, and begin to exalt the Lord for what he has done in your life, not only have you got to give thanks, but you've got to come with a sense of expectation and I've got to come with a sense of expectation that I will find answers in the house of God. I will find answers where God's name is present. In 2002, my wife came to me and said, Daryl, we've never talked about this. And this is right 
right at the end of my message this morning, but I'm just gonna lay it out on you. My wife came to me in 2002, said, Daryl, we've never talked about this, but I was molested as a young girl. It threw me backward. I said, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And I, I spun out. I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. And I remember having that conversation with her for the first time, feeling personally impacted by what had happened to her. We came to church together that next Sunday morning. We were pastoring. We came to church that next Sunday morning and stood on the front row and both of us lifted our hands together and said, God, you are good all of the time. And I don't understand the tragedies and the trials of this life and I don't even know how to make sense out of it all, but I know that you're good, and I know that in your house, every answer that I need is gonna be supplied. It's a place of justice, it's a place of righteousness. This is what the psalmist said, when I come to Jerusalem, there are thrones for judgment that have been set, the thrones of the house of David. In the natural city, David had ordered uh, layers of judges who would sit at the city gates and judge cases as that they came. They would bring their injustice to Jerusalem. And I wanna encourage you today to not only come with a thanks attitude, but bring the injustice of life to the church. Bring the injustice of life to the presence of God and come with a sense of question. Come with a sense of need. Come with a sense of transparency and vulnerability and say, God, it's in your house that I'll find answers. because his name abides there. And he'll judge right from wrong. The Bible says the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. That's what's coming out of his throne. And when you experience injustice in the world, you come into the church and you get to experience justice. That means a right where there's been wrong. So all of us carry things. We look at things like premature death and we say, it's wrong. Yes, it's wrong. Bring it to the Lord. In eternity, he'll make it right because this side of eternity, many things won't be made right, but in eternity and in Christ, all wrongs are made right. That's what the cross is all about. That's what the church is for, to remind us as we partake of communion, we find answers in his presence. We find answers in his presence. The third thing is the band comes back. As David said, I'm gonna pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And the third thing is just simply say, I gotta come and pray for my brothers and sisters. I gotta come with a need, a desire to minister to people that are in the church with me. He said, I'm gonna pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. The fragmentation and the lack of peace that's going on in life, when people come into the church, what they need is somebody else who will reach out to them and care for them and minister to them and strengthen them. I think what we need rather than a show, come on now, something that we observe, something that we're afraid to touch, is we need people who will be passionate for each other's well-being. We need a room full of people and a city full of people who actually are concerned for others who are not living in peace. Their lives are fragmented and broken and we say, as we look across the room and we see the brokenness in another life, we don't wait to be ordained. We don't wait to be commissioned. We don't, be, we don't wait to have somebody tell us. We get up and we go as a fellow brother or sister and we reach out to somebody in need and say, can I pray for you today? Can I bring you a word of encouragement? I come to church 
And I come into his presence with a desire to pray for each other. And lastly, David just simply said, the whole reason I do this is because I love it here. I love it here. He says this, for my brothers and companions sake, I'll say peace be within your walls. For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. It's for the sake of all that God has intended, all the blueprints and all the beauty. I just simply love it. I love being here. I love experiencing it. I I love what God wants to do here. I love what he's gonna do here. And because of that, I'm motivated to make sure that my perspective is right and I'm giving thanks, that I'm coming seeking answers, desiring to pour out of my heart to pray for somebody else and to stand with a love for what God is doing. The world is dark. Yes, it's ugly what's going on in our nation and in our world. But we serve a God who causes the path of the believer to go brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. And when you come into the church, you get your perspective turned around right. The Bible calls it the assembly of the saints, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church of the firstborn, the family in heaven and earth, the household of God. It's a place to love because we get our perspective right. We encounter God. We pray for each other. We go back into a dark place with with a right lens. I want you to stand to your feet with me today and I want to pray together.